0: comfortable this is like family i'm being honest like i feel like i can get 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 just get in the flow with you guys hey uh really quickly uh, i'm jeremy by the way jeremy horn i'm from memphis um who was here the last time it's last september when we were here would you just lift your hand i'm just curious you were here okay man i'll tell you what guys god showed up it was amazing <laughs> it was like whoa you know I've come in faith today. You know, Paul said that he didn't want to come with persuasive words. He wasn't trying to look really, really pretty. He wanted to come in a demonstration of the Spirit and power. I'm going to preach today, but I could care less about whether or not you think it's good or bad. All I really care about is I would love to see the Lord move in power. And listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you see that, you're marked forever. That will change you more than anything that I could come up that's smart. Listen, the Word of God is unfailable. It is the ultimate thing. But my goodness, when the Word of God is set on display before us, what we see, what we read, it changes us. It will mark us. And so, listen, I know that Cedarville is 30 miles down this road Straight down to that, that, that we were, I laughed because he got on this road and also I was like, you realize that these churches are like literally positioned like in a straight line for one another. I don't know what that means, but it means something good. You know what I mean? Like y'all are in alignment with one another and I'm just asking you, I'm asking you, not for my ego's sake, not because I need a room, a, a room full of people. I want to see God do something in an amazing way tonight. I know it's a school day tomorrow. I don't, it's, oh, yes, awesome. That's awesome, I, awesome. I was going to say, bring your kids in pajamas if you have to. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, they can be sleeping on the pew. It's all good. This That's one of the things I love about these churches. Out of the mouths of infants and babes, he's ordained praise to silence the enemy. Silence is the enemy. Their praise shuts the devil down. Think about that. That's crazy, so we've let them worship, we've let them worship this morning, we're going to let them worship tonight, and we're going to see God do his thing. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something, because I've traveled a long way in faith to believe that he's going to do some awesome stuff. Please come tonight. I know it's not the normal to do Sunday night, and I know you're going to get home and be like, my belly's full of potluck, I just want to take a nap. Take a quick nap, and then come to Cedarville, okay? I promise you, you'll be sad that you missed it, okay? Cool. Cool. All right, man. Let's get into the word today. I want to. I want to. I want to read a passage of scripture in Luke chapter five. So, if you've got your Bibles and you want to read along with me, I'm reading the New King James Version because I'm old school like that. Uh, would you do? Would you guys do me a favor? I want to honor the Lord today. Jesus said He is the Word made flesh. Would you guys just stand with me as I read this passage of scripture, just to honor Jesus and who He is in this passage of scripture? Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, he says, And so it was, as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats, two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen who had gone with him were washing their nets. And when he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their, nets were, their net was breaking. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is God's word. You may be seated this morning. I'm going to be quick today, but I feel like there's a word for us today. Because if we're going to be a revival church and a revival community it's going to take more than just a couple of pastors and a couple of really skilled people it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that if you're going to see the Lord move in a mighty way you got to get in the game you got to be the hands and feet in Jesus and listen man there are a lot of people that probably sit in here that makes them real insecure at that idea I'm not saying you got to hold this you don't have to but, man, there are gifts and callings on our lives that are there. And I don't care if you have the gift of service and, you have the, and, and you're the greatest cook on the planet. This church and this community needs the greatest casserole that you could possibly make to love people. And I'm telling you, I'm going to enjoy it today. I don't care what your gifts are. But this message today is for us. And this, If you're going to put a title in this message, it's this. Christ calls the unqualified. Say I'm unqualified. I'm unqualified. There are a lot of names. There's a lot of labels you get put on in your life. Just, just bear with me. i to read a list of things. When you're younger, you get called a lot of things. Maybe you were a great athlete as a kid. Maybe you were an artist. Maybe you were. Maybe somebody looks at you and says, "They're so beautiful." Or they're an addict, or you're divorced, or, you know, there's ugly things that people call us, right? They say we're rich, or we're poor, you're educated, or you're uneducated. You know, you're confident in yourself, you're insecure in yourself. All of these things were labeled in life, but here's the thing. Who does God call you? What does he say you are? Above every name, he says you are a child of the king. A child of the king. Think about that. We don't, We don't think about that on the regular. We think, oh, I'm just X person. Yeah, my dad is God in heaven. It's cool, but really, I'm just a plumber. You know, what can I do for God? You know, I'm just a construction worker. I'm just a general contractor. I'm just a, Or I'm just a. I work at a restaurant. I wait tables. It's like all these things that we think we're limited, but the question I have for you is this. If that's true, if you really are a child of a king, a king has ultimate resources, right? Our Father in heaven has everything. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, man. And he says... You are a child of of a king. Here's the thing. What that means is you are loved unconditionally. Unconditionally loved. You're not tolerated. You're cherished. You are cherished. That's good news today. So here's my question, man. If you feel unworthy by that, you are. It's okay. You don't deserve that. But Jesus, who is your big brother in heaven, says, hey, guess what? I'm bringing you to the table of a king, and I'm giving you the best place that you could possibly sit. And you know what? You're not getting the edge of the prime rib. We're going to give you right in the middle where it's all red and juicy. You're getting the best portion of of what God has for you because you're his child. Isn't that wonderful? That's so wonderful. Okay, so here's question one. It's kind of a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer, but I want you to think about it. What would your life look like if you absolutely knew that you were supported and believed in? And get this, every resource that you needed would be provided. What would your life look like? What would you do? Take 20 seconds. Close your eyes real fast. Ask yourself that question. If I knew that I was absolutely loved and supported and I had every resource, what would I do? Question two, what would you do differently? Because here's the truth. God's word, it doesn't fail. It doesn't. His words, he's spoken over your life, man. I really believe this. The kingdom of heaven is waiting to break into this earth through you. Through you. I love that he, I love that they caught nothing, but Simon looked at Jesus and said, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. I'll do it. It's just a simple act of faith and obedience. I believe that's for somebody this morning. I think there's a lot of people as we get older, we have had words spoken over our life. We've had prophecies spoken over our life and we did not seen them happen. But they, they weren't just pie-in-the-sky ideals. When you heard them, they confirmed something that's in your heart. That's what the word of knowledge should do for you. It's not like somebody tells you, hey, Jamie, this is what I feel like you should do for your life. And you're like, that doesn't resonate with me. That's not the Lord. But if it's in your heart and it causes your heart to come alive and burn, you know it's from the Lord. Okay? It's confirmation. So listen to me. There are things in your life that haven't come to pass, and I feel like the Lord's saying, are you ready to believe again? Because my word does not return void. There are things that have been spoken over your life that the Lord wants to do. And he's asking you, are you ready to believe again? They're still out there. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to believe again. The Lord does not break his promises. Okay, back to Luke 5. Jesus meets Simon. He's a fisherman. Jesus is a rabbi. A rabbi in that culture was like the most elite thing that you could be. Okay, imagine like the smartest, the most educated, the brightest, the brilliant. Those guys are the, the those people are the people that became rabbis. When you were a kid in that culture, everybody went to school, and all, all the all, everybody went to school, and you learned the first five, you memorized the first five books of the Bible. So the idea that saying that these guys were just dumb fishermen, we could throw that out of the way. They weren't dumb. They had some sort of education in some small way. But they weren't the best, because it's proof, if you were going to be a rabbi, the best of the best were the ones that became the rabbi. And at any point in life on that journey, you could be dismissed. And when you were dismissed, it wasn't a bad thing. You just went back to your family, and you became whatever they said you're going to be. If, if your dad was a commercial trade guy, that's what you did. You did his trade. You learned that trade. Jesus was the son of a carpenter. He became a carpenter, right? He just learned that trade as he was doing both things. But the best of the best became rabbis. It's like, imagine like a Olympic athletes. If you had a kid and he was great at swimming or he was great at gy- gymnastics, what happens to those kids? They really don't have much of a life, right? They just train constantly eight hours a day to press to the prize for the gold medal. And rabbis were the same way. They're the best of the best. So what we see here is we see these fishermen. It's pretty pretty obvious that these guys didn't make the cut, right? You know what I mean? They're rough. Rabbis. Has anybody ever seen the show Deadliest Catch? <laughs> that show really helped me kind of get perspective of what kind of guys we're dealing with. That show, if you don't know about that show, those dudes are some rough living dudes. They live hard. It's like when you watch that show, there's a whole lot of beeps in the audio because of their language. And they basically live on nicotine. And they literally like... Pounce seven thousand calories of food one time a day, and they just fish, and they're hardcore, and they're, that's what that's a, that's their life. You know what I mean? They're rough around the edges, guys. They are unqualified to teach people about the Bible, or you know that that's their, so. It's pretty obvious these guys, these young fishermen, what are unqualified, correct? And What's amazing is is Jesus. Jesus meets them and does this creative miracle, and Simon looks at him and says. For some of us, we would see a miracle like that and be like, wow, that's so awesome. That was not Peter's response. Peter's response was, he sees God do this miracle and he's like, hey, man, thank you, but please just leave me alone, man. I'm a, I'm a sinful guy, <laughs> right? How many of you guys have had that response, man? There are a lot of people that we know that have experienced something that God's done and it immediately cuts their heart to the quick and they realize, man, hey, I don't deserve to be in your presence. Yet somehow, in the middle of knowing that he's totally sinful and unqualified, Jesus says, guess what? I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to catch men now. I love I love that whenever he said, another verse, whenever he called Thomas, he says, you were sitting underneath this tree, and just because he said he saw him sitting underneath this tree and having this vision, he's like, my Lord and my God. He immediately responds to that way, and Jesus tells him, guess what? You haven't seen anything yet. You're going to see angels ascending and descending from heaven. Can you imagine the God saying that to them? So, like, literally in that moment, they realize, man, Jesus is gathering a bunch of guys who are totally unqualified. Say, I'm unqualified. So they start this new life, right? And they start this new endeavor. And like anything that we would do if you started out new, if I came to you and you're not a musician, and I said, hey, I want you to play piano at the church in three months, you would feel the pressure really quickly to be like, I better get some lessons and I better start practicing. And, it was not, and it's not going to be easy. But at some point, you might get the hang of it, right? So th- it's rough for them. It's a rough go for them. They're not perfect. I think about these guys, and I think about guys in the natural, like even in our world. How many of you guys know who John Wimber is? Uh, John Wimber was the, he started the vineyard churches in, in America. He, he, was, he grew up Methodist and started reading in Scripture where it talks about Jesus doing all these miracles and that we would do greater works than these. And here's this guy and he sees, you know, he sees what's happening in the Scripture. And he thinks, well, I think maybe we should be like those disciples and see God do those things, right? Check this out. This dude prayed for over a thousand people before he ever saw a creative miracle and somebody healed there's a level of crazy that you have to be to do that. Believe me, I know. Can you imagine the embarrassment it must have been to pray for a thousand people and nothing happens? And you're expecting it? And the and the the grind of just, well, God, I just that was embarrassing you would it would be weird you have to you something in your heart has to build in faith to believe it's not perfect, and these guys were the same way, man, right These guys are casting out demons and sometimes they can't cast them out, and sometimes they're praying for people to get healed and they aren't getting healed, and Jesus would have to step in and heal and say you know and they're and they're learning and they're baptizing folks and they're doing all these things and it's just like and they're total screw ups you know what I mean they, they they've seen jesus I can't imagine what it must have been like to be Jesus and have to teach these guys, right? This is the kind of guys, that at points, they're totally racist, right? Jesus is sitting with a, the with a woman at the well. She's a Samaritan, and they're like, what is she doing here? Like, they, So they're racist. They're ready to like go to war, grab swords, and they think Jesus is going to become this great king, and they're always arguing about whether or not they're going to be, you know, who's going to be the greatest to sit next to. I'm going to be second in command, yada, yada. They don't, they, they don't get it. You know, this is my favorite. This is my favorite thing. Jesus feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. So let's just say every man had a wife and a kid because they would have been married. Let's say this is a solid 15,000 people, right? He feeds 15,000 people with a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and then they take up a basket, and there's more than, everybody's eating, and they take up a basket of more food than they originally had, right? They just saw it happen. They just saw it happen. Say it one more time. They just saw it happen. The next chapter later, they get in a boat, and Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and starts talking in his cryptic language that he does. And they look at each other and go, he's mad we forgot the bread. <laughs> These jokers just saw him do a creative miracle and make a basket full of bread, and they're like, we forgot the bread. He must have just been like, oh, Lord can I just please call down fire and get this over with he must have like literally been so frustrated these guys were such a mess you know like it's it's unbelievable you know but yet the same guys who who can't discern a rock from a heart you know they can't they can't they can't discern anything that Jesus is saying yet in Matthew 16 Jesus says hey who does the world say that I am and he said some people say Elijah some people say a prophet and he looks Peter dead in the eyes and he says Peter who do you say I am The same guy who said he was sinful said, you're the son of God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. This guy doesn't even have the Holy Spirit. They are not born again. The Holy Spirit has not been given to them, and they get revelation. I'm here to tell you something. There are people in this place that have wayward children, that have grown up and they're far from the Lord. And I'm telling you, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to their heart. Whether or not they're born again. He is calling them. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. What he, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Mama, it's not your job to save your little baby or your your little boy or your little girl. It's the Holy Spirit's job, and He will speak to them. He speaks to those into their hearts. I'm here, you hear that, this is when I feel like that's a, that's a, that's a word of the Lord, man, I'm telling you, and this is amazing, they hear the voice of the Lord, the next chapter in Matthew 17, he takes Peter, James, and John, three of the disciples, they go up on this hill, and they're standing there, and all of a sudden, poof, Jesus turns into somebody, like, he turns into his God self. His hair turns white. His face starts to glow. His eyes are burning with fire, and these guys, I know they must have been, thought that they were just tripping out. They were like, man, what kind of mushrooms did we have for breakfast this morning? And you know they were like, hey, are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing, right? Jesus is standing there in all of his glory. They're wrapped in light. They bow down, and then to make it Three times crazier, Elijah and Moses show up and start talking to Jesus. Okay, these are the two most revered men in their culture. They show up. That would be like right now, if Martin Luther King and Abraham Lincoln walked in here, we would all get very quiet. And you know what I would do? I would hand in the microphone and I would listen very clearly, right? Right? And as as amazing as all of that is, it's not the most amazing thing that happens. The most amazing thing that happens is they hear the audible voice of the Father that says, this is my beloved son. Do what he says. And then they try to get creative, and they think they're smart, and they go, it's good for us to be here. Would you like us to make you three places that you can stay here right now? And as soon as they start to plan how they're going to stay there forever, boom, boom. Jesus is transformed back to who he really is in the natural. When they look around, what a buzzkill. You know that they must have been like, dang, man, that was awesome. I want to stay here forever. That's what they wanted to do, man. To pray. They got a glimpse of the glory of the Father and the Son as who they really are. And, man, let me tell you something. Those are wonderful moments. But, man, until Jesus returns, we're going to see glimpses of that. But man, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can't stay in that place because Christ calls the unqualified. And you are the one who are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that one day when he really does come back in all of his glory, this entire region knows who their God is. And they spend eternity with us. Amen? These guys, it's it's amazing to me that Jesus is teaching them by showing them living with them and doing life. And in an instant that's over. But here's the thing. These are the same these messy unqualified guys become the foundation for the church that we enjoy and are a part of today. We stand on the shoulders of unqualified fishermen. We get to be the body of Christ because they did and obeyed what Jesus said there was to do. So that's my question this morning. What qualifies the unqualified this morning? It's just simply this. They've been with Jesus. And my statement to you this morning is simply this. What qualifies you, the unqualified, to be his hands and feet on the earth? When you're with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. You've learned to obey Jesus. How many of you guys know obedience is learned? How many of you guys have raised kids in here? How many guys have had this statement, make your bed, go make your bed, hey Judah, go make your bed, that's my boy, that's my oldest boy, hey, did you brush your teeth, did you really brush your teeth, now he's 12, so now it's, did you put on deodorant, did you really put on deodorant, it's always the, it's learned obedience, right? Cause he doesn't realize it, but he's he's twelve. He's starting to smell like a man. You know what I mean? He goes outside. I'm like, woo! He's like, why do we have to take a shower every night? We didn't have to do that when we were little. I'm like, that's because you stink, bro. You know? They're so he's so cute, but it's just true. That they, they're just becoming like the, that. They're that way. You know? But it's just true. It's learned, and that's okay. A life of obedience and being with Jesus is learned. It's like any habit. When you're driving a car, right, you're not thinking anymore about I'm pushing the gas pedal or I'm pushing the brake or I'm steering in correction or I'm using a turn signal. It's, you've done it so many times that your subconscious literally knows how to do it right? It's like how many of you guys, when you brush your teeth in the morning, you brush your teeth the exact same way, and your brain's not going, go to the right side, go to the left side, go to the top, brush your tongue. You, know, you, you do the same things every day. It's learned, and the spirit in the kingdom is the exact same way. I think sometimes we over-spiritualize so many things, and it's just the, the practice of walking and following Jesus every single day, and it, all, it would become second nature because we were becoming like him because we were becoming what we behold, what we behold, we see him, and we're following, and we're following, and we do the same thing every day. And it may feel mundane. It may feel like, man, we're, we want to see more, Lord, but man, you are being formed into his image. He's making you like him. Man, I'm, I've said it, I probably said it today, I'll say it again. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He is the one who does it. These guys, man, they 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 learned a life of obedience, and that's what being with Jesus is. It's learning to hear the voice. You know what I mean? It's learning to hear Him speak to us, and, I, and that's one of those things too. Like I prayed for a guy this morning. He wanted to he wanted to see visions. He wanted to hear the voice of the Lord, and I just told him, I said, "Man, you learned that by messing up. It's just like learning to walk. It's like learning a new language. They say if you're if you're a person you want to learn a new language and you're scared to 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 mess up, you'll never learn." Give yourself grace, you're gonna mess up, right? We're gonna mess up, but we're learning to walk in obedience. Amen, amen, really quickly, just so you think i'm not just so you don't think I'm crazy. There are a lot of guys in the Bible that are totally unqualified, crazy, unqualified, like not just like oh. He's not. A, he doesn't have an outgoing personality, or she's not very warm. She's not very hospitable. All, you know, all these little things that we have in the church that we think are qualifiers. These guys were major screw-ups, okay? Like Jonah. Jonah, the dude was an absolute racist. The guy would have been like the leader of the KKK. He hated those people, and then he hated them. And God said, I want you to go and witness to them so they would repent and and turn their hearts away. and He didn't want to go, do it so much so that he ran away. And God had to swallow him in a fish and spit him out. And then of us, so he would do it. Like that's we read those stories like their nursery right? like 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 there's like kids church stuff, and we just go, oh yeah, well swallowed a guy, and he lived, and then spit him out. Like, think about how crazy that is. You know what I mean? So, this guy's a mess, hot mess. Gideon, Gideon is a guy. He's t- completely scared of everything. He's a total coward. He's literally so scared of the Midianites who are coming to attack him that he's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. I don't know if you know this, but what I understand, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. The dude's totally hiding, and God comes to him and says, Mighty man of valor. Right? Calls him a mighty man of valor. He still doesn't believe it. He's God, like the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you're a mighty man of valor. He still doesn't believe it. And, God, and then in chapter 7 of Judges, God says this to Gideon, the total coward. Gideon, I want you to go into the enemy's camp. We read some of that stuff. Like, that would be like, hey, Jeremy, I have a word for you. I would like you to get on a plane and go to Yemen and go hang out in the camps of ISIS. Do you know what I mean? That's what we're saying. Like, I'm just trying to give you context. Or so it's World War II. Hey, I want you to go go sit in Adolf Hitler's bunker. I got something to tell you. You know what I mean? Like, he was freaked out. He's already freaked out. And so he goes, and he's smart. He's like, if you're scared, bring somebody with you. So he brings this sermon. He's really smart, too. He's like, I'm going in the middle of the night when everybody's asleep. I'm going to go down there when they don't know. Him. So he goes down there, and he sits, and he, and he sneaks up. And there's these two guys standing there, and this guy says, I had a dream last night. There's this barley loaf piece of bread. It rolls down a hill, hits our tent. Everything's destroyed. And the other guy says, well, that's another, other than Gideon. We're going to be, he's the, it's the hand of the Lord with him. We're going to be completely wiped out. The Lord literally speaks to him in the enemy's camp and says, it, Gideon bows down and worships for the Lord. He knows that the Lord is with him. And I just feel like for some somebody here today, you need to hear the voice of the Lord. But man, It's not easy to hear the voice of the Lord because sometimes it means you've got to step out of a really comfortable place, out of the boat, to hear. Peter's the same guy. Peter, he didn't ask all 12 disciples to get out of the boat. He asked Peter to get out of the boat. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water towards Jesus, and he falls in. And I really believe this. I don't think that Peter did not believe that Jesus could keep him out of the water. I think he started looking at the circumstances in his own mind. He looked at his own insecurity and his own lack, and that's what made him fall into that water. Because he realizes in his mind, this is not possible for me to be able to do. But Christ calls the unqualified. The unqualified. Moses, an orphan kid. Who murdered somebody later in his life? David, the 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 least of his tribe, the least of his family, yet he becomes king and is a murderer, and God still uses him and said he's a man after God's own heart. These are the, the kind of folks that God uses. These are the kind of folks that God uses. So your excuse, whatever it is, is not a valid excuse because Christ calls the unqualified. Would you stand up with me this morning as we close? I want you to just I want you to say this with me. I want you to say, I belong to him. I belong to him. I'm, qualified I'm qualified because I've been with Jesus. Lord, we just thank you that we know it's time to stop making excuses. It's time to stop making excuses, Lord. We we just cast off disappointments. Lord, we realize Our past, your past this morning, guys, does not define you. Whatever somebody's labeled you in the past, X, 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 you fill in the blank, does not define you. You're a child of the king, and every resource that the king has is at your disposal this morning. Lord, we pray that, God, you would just show us ways that we can bring your kingdom here and now from heaven to earth through our gifts, through our talents. Lord, we realize that your gifts and callings are irrevocable. Romans 11 tells us this, guys, that your gift that he gave you is without repentance. It means whether or not you deserve it, he gave it to you and he's never going to take it away. And there are people in our life that we have seen over and over again. It's how we choose to use it. I'm from Memphis. Man, Elvis was from Memphis. I don't mean to preach about Elvis, but this is the truth. My grandmother grew up at the same church that he did. The guy had a call of God on his life. And the gift was inside of him. And even later in his life, as a drug-addicted, messed-up person, in the still of the night, he would always sing gospel songs to the Lord because he had that call on his life, and that's who he was really made to be. God will not let you go whether or not you choose to use it or not. So you might as well give in this morning. I really believe that. You are equipped to get in the game. Stop believing the lie. I love that Jesus asked Peter, he said, who do you say I am? And I just feel like the Father's asking you to ask this question. Father, who do you say that I am? Remind me who I am. Remind me of those things that you've spoken over my life that I need to just say yes to. Your promises, God, are yes and amen, Lord. Lord, we just lay aside every weight, every snare that entangles us, Lord, everything that pulls our affections from you, Lord. We just throw down earthly idols, God. We remove them from our heart through the the grace of the Spirit, and we just fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you, but God, we want to become like what we behold, Lord. Lord, I pray for the gifts of mercy, in here, and the gifts of service and administration, and the gifts of miracles and the gifts of healings and the and the and the and the and the. And the apostolic and the prophetic that are all those different things that are inside of us Lord I pray that God you would birth those things in our life not for our benefit because fruit in our own life is not for us it'd be weird if we saw a tree eating its own fruit fruit is for others Lord you filled us with your spirit for our benefit but you come upon us for others benefit and we're just thankful for that Lord, I pray that, God, your spirit will rest on us as we go through our life and the mundane things of driving and working and, and providing for our family, that you would be near to us, that that we would have ears that are tuned to the spirit's radio to hear when you want to speak to us. For the person at the grocery store, the person that, that we spend time with on the job, Lord, that we would just have words of life and words of encouragement because more than anything, Lord, Signs and wonders are so wonderful because you're good and you want to you show yourself strong in our hearts and our lives, Lord. But you said that we would be known as followers of you by the way that we love one another. I pray that you would just so increase the love in our hearts for one another that when people come in who don't know you, it would be so evident that, you're, that, you're, that you are here, Jesus. Let us be marked by your love in Jesus' name. We love you. Amen.